You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Today we come to Matthew chapter 16, and what this chapter is mainly known for is it is the first place where the church is mentioned. After Peter receives a revelation of Christ from the Father, then the Lord tells him what many people would say as the greatest prophecy in the Bible. The Lord says to Peter, I will build my church. This is the main point of chapter 16. Christ speaks about the church as the kingdom of the heavens that the Lord wants to build. What I want to point out to you today is something that may be overlooked in this chapter that I think it's very important to know and understand. That is the background, the atmosphere, and the environment that's happening here in chapter 16. And I would say that this background and atmosphere is not just here in chapter 16. It's been here the whole time. It started back in Matthew chapter 1. And you could say it started back in the Old Testament. It had always been there, and the Lord was right in the middle of it when he was in his ministry. And it has been there for the last 2,000 years, and it is still here today, and we are in the middle of it. And that if we are going to be those today who are going to endeavor with, with the Lord to bring in his kingdom, to build the church, we have to understand that we are operating in this kind of background, in this kind of atmosphere, And if we are not able to overcome this, then it will be very difficult, if not impossible, for us to participate with the Lord to build the church and bring in his kingdom to end this age. Let's do a quick review from the beginning. In chapter 1, we have the genealogy and birth of Christ. In chapter 2, there's the account of his youth. In chapter 3, Christ is recommended by John the Baptist. And he is baptized and anointed by the Spirit. In chapter 4, Christ is tested and begins his ministry. At the beginning of his ministry, in chapter 5, 6, and 7, Christ unveils the kingdom of the heavens, the nature, the character, the people, the makeup of this kingdom. As Christ is carrying out his earthly ministry, he has an excellent opportunity to unveil to people who he really is. So from chapters 9 to 12, Christ begins to teach them, Christ began to unveil that he's our physician, he's our bridegroom, he's our shepherd, he's the Lord of the harvest, he's the real David, he's the greater temple, he's the Lord of the Sabbath, he's the greater Jonah, the greater Solomon. We see that Christ as the king is so much. What's interesting is, after he unveils so many wonderful aspects of himself, by the end of chapter 12, what do we see? we see that Christ is utterly rejected by the Jews. They utterly reject him. And by the end of chapter 12, you have the rejection reaching its climax. This is the environment. This is the background that Christ is working in. And we should not be surprised by this. Because when you go back earlier, in chapter 2, what do you see? Even in his birth, Christ was being pursued by King Herod, who tries to find a way to kill Christ. When Christ goes to be baptized, at first, John the Baptist refused to do so. Then before he begins his ministry, he's tested in the wilderness with Satan coming to tempt the Lord. And really, when we look at chapter 1, 
we see how Christ came forth. And many names are mentioned from the Old Testament. Basically, chapter 1 is a summary of the entire Old Testament. You have Abraham, you have David, Isaac, Jacob, names and names and names of people in the Old Testament. And when we go back and examine the Old Testament, we do not see a pleasant, wonderful atmosphere. Rather, we see God's people fighting in a tough environment, in a tough background, so that God can continue to carry out His purpose. And this is confirmed to us in Hebrews chapter 11, where Paul gives a brief outline of the Old Testament. And he shows how God's people, starting as early as Cain and Abel, how God's people were in a difficult environment, being confronted, being opposed throughout their lives. As God was moving through them, through all of these different ones, through Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Samson and David. And Paul is only mentioning a few here. He says he's out of time. He, he could have just gone on and on. But basically, he shows how God's people in the Old Testament were in a difficult situation again and again, being confronted, being opposed. And it was in this kind of environment, this kind of background, and this kind of atmosphere that God was carrying out his purpose, particularly here with this group of people, to bring forth Christ. And that's how Matthew chapter 1 begins. So Matthew 1, the opening salvo of the New Testament, has an unpleasant, confrontational, opposed background. Christ is not entering into a welcoming situation. Hey, hallelujah, we're so glad you're here. From the get-go, his background has been one of fighting and endeavoring. And from his youth, Christ is fighting. And when he begins his ministry, he's utterly rejected. He's fighting through disbelief. He's fighting through the Jewish religionists. He's fighting through culture. And by the end of chapter 12, we reach the climax of this rejection. After all that Christ talks about, after all he does, he's not welcomed. He's rejected. And as a, as a result of this rejection, Christ turns from the Jews to the Gentiles. And what we see is as we follow him in his ministry to go to the Gentile so that he can produce the church, that the pathway to follow Christ is a pathway of rejection, a pathway of opposition. And in following Christ and in being rejected with the Lord, we will face the lack of necessity. We will face storm on the sea. We will face accusation from religion. We are not welcomed to follow Christ, to preach the gospel, to baptize people, to build up the church, to bring in the kingdom. It's a narrow way. It's a difficult path, a way that is difficult, not an easy way, not a wide path. Don't expect the atmosphere and the environment and the background to be pleasant, to be wonderful, to be rosy and sunny. We would not have everything we need. There would be storms waiting, opposer accusing. And this is the atmosphere that the Lord was working in. And when we look at church history for the last 2,000 years, those who have followed the Lord to carry out His purpose on the earth have faced the same thing. And it has not changed. And today we are still in it. So because of such a negative background that Christ is working in, at this point, in order for him to unveil the church to his disciples, he has to leave Jerusalem, the very epicenter of rejection. And he goes to Caesarea Philippi. And it is here that Peter receives a wonderful revelation concerning Christ, that he is the Son of the living God, that Christ is the Anointed One. He's not just here to save us from our sins. He's here to carry out God's purpose. He was sent for this, that Christ is here to do something definite. 
and is more than just saving sinners, that these sinners would see something of the living Christ, that Christ would build the church with these sinners who are transformed to become living stones. And right in the middle of unveiling Christ and unveiling the revelation of the church as the kingdom, the Lord says the gates of Hades will be right there. In verse 18, the Lord says the gates of Hades shall not prevail. Meaning what? Meaning it's trying to fight. It's trying to win. This is the environment that the church is being built in. It's not a neutral environment. It's not a peaceful environment. It's a fighting environment. You could even say it's a warfare environment. Where the gates of Hades, the kingdom of Satan, is attacking every effort to build the church. If we desire to follow the Lord, if we seek to have revelation of Him, we want to participate in building the church and bring in the kingdom, then we have to know that it will be carried out in the midst of opposition, in the midst of warfare, that Satan will rise up and his very gates will be right there fighting. But believe it or not, we haven't arrived at the most critical opposition to the building up of the church. Right after this, the Lord, now that he's unveiled, I'm here to build the church. The Lord tells his disciple, in order for me to do this, I have to go to the cross and die and be resurrected. And at this point, Peter, in his natural self, in his natural goodness, Peter rebukes the Lord. Peter opposes the Lord, his own disciples. And in verse 23 of chapter 16, the Lord answered and he says, he says to Peter, get behind me, not Peter, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Wow, what a great light here. Not only is the environment difficult, the background is confrontational, the atmosphere is unpleasant, full of rejection, but within our own being, in our natural being, in our untransformed being, that Satan is right there operating through our mind through our concepts, through our thoughts and culture, through our self-interest, to do something that we may think is good, but actually opposes what God is doing. This is far more serious, far more difficult. And to deal with this, the Lord says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow the Lord. So to build a church, not only do we have to fight the environment, the background, the atmosphere we are in. But ultimately, we have to fight our own self. We have to deny our soul life. What we think may be good, what we think may be right, that these very things are a stumbling block to the Lord. We should have no trust in ourselves, no trust in our thoughts and our desires. We should not be seeking our own interests. We have to realize that as the Lord endeavors to carry out His purpose to bring His kingdom, that we ourselves may become the greatest opposition and we must be willing to take up the cross to deny ourselves and not to save our soul life today for his sake so that we can follow the Lord on the pathway of glory to build the church, to bring in his kingdom, to end this age. So we should remember what the Lord said in John 15, 20, that a slave is not greater than his master. The Lord is our master. We are his slaves. We are following him. And he faced opposition, rejection, confrontation as he's carrying his ministry. This is the background. 
that he was in. It was there before him, and he operated in it, and is still here today. And we are in it. We shouldn't expect an easy life, much less demand one. But the great enterprise of the universe to carry out God's purpose to build the church is met with the greatest opposition. The gates of Hades is right there, attempting to prevail. And within us, within our very being, our very makeup, our natural man, lies the greatest opposition. But hallelujah, there is a way. We know there is a way. Because Peter, the Peter who rebukes the Lord here, the Peter whom is called Satan by the Lord, later on toward the end of his life, as he writes in 1 Peter 2.21, Christ also suffered on your behalf, leaving you a model so that you may follow in his steps. So Peter found a way. His way was Christ. Christ became his model. Christ was one who denied himself, who bore the cross, who enjoyed the Father, who lived by another life, who did not succumb to opposition, who did not serve his self-interest. He lived a life of bearing the cross so that he could build the church. And Peter said, that is the model for us to follow today. And in doing so, it would pave the way for the Son of Man to come in the glory of his Father, to end this age and to bring in the kingdom age.